I did uh, watch Happy Gilmore like over the weekend twice. Yeah, I couldn't have guessed that from you going schwabadoo. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that came out of your brain. <laughs> no. I, I've never seen Happy Gilmore, so no, it, you've never he, seen Happy Gilmore. He's never seen Billy Madison either. I'll circle back. I have a long list circle of Circle back. It should be at the top of your fucking list. I mean, Billy Madison. Demon Slayer sure. th- season three just came out, so nothing else Shut is up. at the top of my list. What about Eight Crazy Nights? That's like a Adam Sandler anime. <laughs> Obviously, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he made a Hanukkah movie, an animated Hanukkah movie. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, he does a bum, bitty, 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 bum, bum. There are some good bits in there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have yeah. heard that song before. Yeah, yeah. bum, Two. bitty, 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 bum. Okay, well, what's up, boys? Magic time? Magic time. Hello, and welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I am here with my two best friends, Jordan Garcia. Yo, what's up? And Christopher Ritter. Shabadoo. <laughs> did, I, did I do that correctly? You did. Yes, Good. you did. I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, today, we are getting into it. We're going to be talking about uh, the growth of our decks as part of our pregame actions. But before we even get into that... We have to talk about where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, any podcasting platforms. If you're wondering where the links are for that, they're in the, des- in the description below. You can find us there. Be sure to hit that thumbs up, hit that subscribe, and ring the bell to get mo- notifications on when you can uh, our next episode drops. Now we can get into it. Jordan, what's up, dude? Yo, what's up? What's up with me is I wanted to mention one more plug. Are you ready for it? We need some rating on Spotify, guys. We got zero Ooh, ratings what? on our Spotify Whoa. account. So if you can all do me a favor, go over there. Give us a little five stars. What up? Yeah, you guys can also look forward to more content coming from us. We're uh, looking to do two videos every single week and launch a little bit of a Patreon action, which will give you early access. And also, uh, you'll be subscribed to a sweepstakes where we're just giving away cards. Yeah, cards. you can get more cards. Yeah, cards of Everybody significant loves cards. value. Mostly foils, because that's all we have we are hmm. foil sluts and i expect our followers to be as well and you'll get a friggin' sticker i swear to god give me one comment and i will send you a sticker priority shipping yeah be sure to leave a comment below because that does help the algorithm we interact with you you interact with us we interact right back you know so we talk we have a conversation tell you what you give YouTube us five, loves that. five stars on spotify you get two stickers Ooh, what about Whoa. one sticker for every star five star minimum <laughs> <laughs> five st- five stickers straight up. How many stickers we got? <laughs> the logistics of finding the person who gave us five stars is going to be way more difficult. Okay, so the deal is you give us the five stars on Spotify and then subscribe to us on YouTube and then send us a little DM being like, yo, that was me. No, I think the, the way is you give us five stars on Spotify and then you follow us on YouTube and then you leave a comment below the video right. and you get one sticker and then that sticker, we can fill out some paperwork and then you can get five stickers for your five stars. It's like a rebate thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Or yeah, hit us. Instagram or something like that. If you hit us up on Instagram. Yeah, we'll find. It's all It's all run to the same folk. Yeah, we can, we, we'll find you. We'll talk to our... Uh, we'll find <laughs> Our social media team. Our people will reach out to your we'll, people. We'll figure we'll it out. It yeah. yeah. You're going to get up to five stickers, guys. That's fucking crazy. The Mockstars are growing. We're a growing podcast. We love you all for listening. You're our truly devoted audience. 
So let's get into it. We're talking. We're a magic podcast. We're going to actually talk a little bit about Magic the Gathering. What? You guys have any pregame actions? Well, I thought we were going to be chatting about uh, some of the some of the freshes, some of the building that we've been doing, some of the brewskis. Ooh, yeah, that is. Uh, I do have talking a about brewskis. Action. Brewskis for the broskis. Ooh, I like it. Brewskis for broskis. Great. Type. That is that is our charity. Um, every purchase of this podcast, <laughs> uh, we donate ten percent of that to uh, brewskis for broskis, and it's just a really good cause. Um, I it's like how how John Cena is with the Make a Wish Foundation, where with 100%. broskis for broskis. That's like our thing. We we are there. We are being. Yeah. We find the broskis and we give them brewskis, and we and we give them brewskis. That's what we're about. And Mockstar stickers. Yep. If you guys do want to play magic with us, if you're listening and you're in the Seattle area, you can find us at Optimism on Monday nights. Don't kill us. Sometimes. Don't kill us. Sometimes. <laughs> Been erratic lately. <laughs> but we have more players. We'll, have more, we'll play more. Yeah, often, we're kind of right? yeah. trying to hit up uh, some more people on the uh, local CDH Discord and kind of get a little growing scene going. Maybe some stuff going at some local LGSs at some point. So stay tuned for that. All right. Back on track. We've been playing decks. We've been playing. We're we, talking about playing. Yeah, we've been playing. One of my favorite ways to play Magic is... With the magic deck. Yeah, by, oh, by playing. It's a great game. way to start. Yeah. And I know that we've been uh, sort of like brewing and building decks as of late. And I, I was sort of just like, honestly, just like fucking around and looking at Naya decks. And I remember six months ago, Jordan had said something about Hazazon, the sand dude, uh, making it into a top 16 at a CDH tournament. And so that little nugget of information just lodged itself in my brain. Mm-hmm. Until I finally felt the motivation to build the deck myself. And I was just sort of like wondering, how good could it be? What does this dude do? Uh, so he is one of each, like Naya, so mm-hmm. red, green, white. He's a 3-3 three, three human s- soldier, warrior thing. And uh, he says he has desert walk. Okay. And then... Uh, it's the best part about him. Right. And then whenever a desert enters the battlefield under your control... Uh, you create two one one green white and red sand warrior creature tokens. Okay, but then he also has the line of text that says you can play deserts from your graveyard. Ah, okay. So you can play desert land cards from your graveyard. So there's a, a few loops involving like uh, you know like Sylvan Safekeeper where you can just mm-hmm. sort of like sack a land to give something shroud. And there's a few other options, like crop rotation's great. You sack a land, you go get a land. So you, if you don't have a desert, you can go get a desert, enters the battlefield. Or you sack a desert, go get a desert, play a desert from your graveyard, and all of a sudden you've got four tokens on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And that guy's cradle looks really good. So uh, when you actually put the most powerful cards in the game, in this deck, it's crazy how good it is. Um, and I, I went home, I'm... Living in Seattle, I am from Wisconsin. I was playing with my old pod. Shout out to the guys. What's up? And they don't like stacks. I I love stacks. They're mm-hmm. not used to stacks. But I came in and just like put my Enchantress package into this deck. And the deck needs a lot of work. That's I think that's just like very apparent right off the first few times of playing it because it fizzled out a bunch. Now, hold on. The one that you built, is it similar to the top 16 or is it a Rube? Goldberg machine. It is the Rube Gold. It's an Evan. Okay. It is hundred percent an Evan. I did not even look at the list. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he <laughs> insists on doing everything his way. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you you were like, oh, this desert guy. You know what this desert guy needs? I, it's a food chain combo and an academy rector in there. <laughs> 
I heard that someone got top 16 with it, so I'm dedicated to making it a top 16 deck. That guy's list is dog shit. It's <laughs> what I say whenever I look at a top 16 list. <laughs> so, like, I know better. Uh, but clearly, this deck needs some work. So, I played a few games, and there's some really cool things that happen uh, with, like... Uh, there was one game where I uh, went for Ranger Captain of Eos, and I mm-hmm. had a Gaius Cradle on the battlefield already. I had not played a land for a turn, so I went and uh, tapped the Gaius Cradle. I had three creatures, got the mana use, two white, cast the uh, Ranger Captain, went and got the Sylvan Safekeeper, cast it, and then sacrificed one of my lands, which just so happened to be a desert, and then played another desert, got two more warriors, and I w- did not have a land in hand. So I was essentially ramping through the ability of mm-hmm. Azazon, which was which was a really cruel or really really cruel and really cool mechanic uh because later in the game i ended up uh eladomri's calling for winota and it's basically a winota jetmir list with Hazazon as like an enabler to achieve b- the requirements for both of those abilities okay so i guess my question is what is it about Hazazon? Uh, that makes him better than the other options. Like, why would you not just do Rocco Secret Commander to facilitate this stuff, or one of the other guys you just named? Right. Yeah, Rocco. I guess um, you know, like Rocco is just the best Naya Commander uh-huh. out there, just flat out. Period. I'll say it. But uh, this build actually lets me play all of the stacks pieces that contribute to my man, the mana base that I've like Rube Goldberg together, you know? Okay. And so, uh, I can play all these stacks pieces. I don't have to like play dockside loops, which is what also what Rocco wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, those turbo Rocco decks. So if I can get out the pieces to lock down the game, I can literally just walk a line that only I can walk. Okay. Which is essentially, you know, walk through the desert. Um, and and be able to come out on the other side and win. Mm. Uh, the problem being playing against the other pod was that they, since it's a different pod, there's a different meta. They play board wipes pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Like so, it was really hard to navigate the game when one guy's deck is literally nicknamed Board Wipe Tribal. So <laughs> you're just sitting there. Was it a short guy deck or something else? No, it's Zergo Helm Smasher because he doesn't because he has indestructible during your turn. So <laughs> cool, <laughs> yeah, sick, yeah, yeah. So he just keeps punching you in the face after he wipes your board. Yeah, so I like it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> right. Simple in such yeah. a good way. Such an elegant, elegant, yes. elegant. Yeah, Josh, this one's out to you, right? <laughs> what an elegant deck, Josh. Um, so like the deck in a standard in the standard meta where you're looking at, um not board wipes and you're looking at people trying to go as fast as they can as recklessly as they can like this is where i mulligan until i get a blind obedience or whatever or something that slows the game down uh stony silence put on a freaking clinic with these guys because they they don't play with stacks so you're like sitting there looking at this enchantment like what does that do again (laughs) that's so funny so they must be just like a fully unpunished pod like play artifact ramp for your you know your heart's content Outside of board wipes, you know, like, yeah, completely right. unpunished. Maybe you're that, like, a uh, little drop of Phyrexian oil. You're going to go back home next time, and it's going to be totally different. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope they play stacks. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, I hope I inspired them, because a back-to-basics literally won me a game. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was great. What kind of, did they have, like, a specific type of stacks that they hated more than most, or was it just kind of generally? 
Uh, just general stacks. Like anything that slowed the game down was uh, unfamiliar hmm. to them. So that's so funny because our pod is the polar opposite. Like we have just dedicated stacks players, and then we put fucking stacks on our decks that have nothing to do with. Yeah, stacks. everyone runs stacks. They're just like light yeah. stacks. You know, if I'm in white, I'm splashing Dranith Magistrate. You know, I mean, yeah. there's been times where like I think three of us have just had our own deafening silence <laughs> on the board. <laughs> yeah. Like we are firmly casting one fucking spell yeah. each turn. There was a point where there were two blind obedience on the board, and it's like we just buy you know we just play blind obedience because it's a great asymmetrical card yeah it's asymmetrical <laughs> mm. so that's like <laughs> and kyle followed up and was like you're just got the same fucking thing yeah that's funny it, shit. it's just like it's such a great card because if you do happen to be able to go off and and storm off you can actually just use your infinite mana to win the game with that so uh that's why blind obedience is amazing and you should play it in every white deck you have access to. But yeah, overall, playing that deck a few times has led me just to swap out a few cards, right? Okay. I realize that Nahiri's Lithoforming is it is probably the only deck that it, that Nahiri's Lithoforming goes into and works properly. That's the uh, two red X you're sacking lands to search for lands? Uh, it's... Uh, sacrifice X lands, draw X cards, and then okay. you, may, you may play X additional lands this turn, and uh, they enter the battlefield tapped no matter what. Got it, yeah. And if you're wondering, it's a bad card. <laughs> Not a good card. <laughs> well, it's a sorcery. There's why it's bad. If it was an instant, you know, I feel like it could have been good. It would but, be an instant speed bad card. <laughs> you know, well, here's the thing. It's good in Hazazon because you can play your deserts from the graveyard. Okay. So if you pay X is three and you sacrifice three deserts, you just play those three deserts again from your graveyard and then uh, get six sand warriors. And then you draw three cards and then you have like, yeah, broken parity pretty significantly. Uh, the problem is you don't run into that many deserts. There are 16 playable deserts. Uh, man, if near Deadlands and then... You like, can't even play that because you're not in the color. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so you have Ramanap, uh, Ramanap Ruins, uh, mm -hmm. Hashep Oasis... A few other things. Um, so, really, Desert of the True, Desert of the, you know, whatever. Uh, Indomitable and the Fervent. So, uh, you have access to these cards, but if they are colored, they ought, they come in tapped. And then if they're... Uh, and most of them are colorless. So, when you're trying to cast a commander that it requires all three colors, mm -hmm. you don't want to be, like, sitting there with a handful of colorless lands. So finding deserts is actually a problem. So here is lithoforming. Its max value comes at X is two. Okay. Like realistically, right? And so you're paying four mana to sacrifice two lands to draw two cards to play two deserts from your graveyard that are going to enter tapped, mm -hmm. and that's and you get four sand warriors out of it. And that's only four mana. That's four mana. Wow. Wow. I've actually there are actually cards that on the face of the card do more than that yeah. for four mana yeah. so a lot more yeah so that card's coming out and we were just talking about like uh fable of the mirror breaker like as just a value piece with mm -hmm. this uh you know sort of enchant more on that later spoiler yeah. for our second topic yeah so this like enchantress build that i've got going even though it is a saga it is still an enchantment and if the timing is right in a competitive you know environment it's all gonna work out it'll work out for me you know, so and it flips into oh, an enchantment creature because it's from Kamigawa, which is great. Of course. Um, so, yeah, there's a few like swaps right away. I need to find more permanent based land sacrificing if I want to take 
more advantage of like those types of things. But mm-hmm. the deck, maybe I should look at the top 16 build. <laughs> nah, I don't see why you would now. <laughs> at this point, the two decks have no relation to each other, I bet. Not at so, all. Not at yeah. all. No, except that we're both playing deserts. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that one guy just like crop rotations for field of ruin, and that's it. <laughs> and that's not even a desert. It's not even a fucking desert. Jesus desert, Christ, bro! It's in the desert. Yeah, yeah, things that you think would be deserts, like Field of the Dead, not, not a, desert. a desert. Yeah, yep. Like uh, brush. It looks like a desert. Hundred percent. It is a desert. Yeah. Right. Like brush, it's in the desert. Like brush yeah. cliffs is like, or whatever it's called, is uh, a desert. Wow. It's like taps for a colorless, or you can pay one to filter a, a mana into a color, any color. So, like, are there utility deserts? There's one, Grasping Dunes, that is pay one, tap it, sack it, put a neg one, neg one counter mm-hmm. on something. And if you're playing Hazazon, it's not nothing to be able to, like, sack that neg one counter, play it, get two warriors, sack it, put a neg one counter on something. Like, that's actually pretty dece. And then if you have Exploration out, you can do it multiple times yeah. a turn. So, um, good. It's good. It's a good deck. Okay. I will play it when we come back around to it on Monday. Got it. But... Uh, you'll, you get to see it then. I just love that you have no idea what the top 16 <laughs> did. <laughs> My question is, do you have any combo outlet, any way to win in your deck? <laughs> no, no, no. That's a big, that's a big no, no for good buddy. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, there's uh there's no infinite loop in here. It's just literally that uh, win con list like strategy beat face oh like, that's, that's right you're doing the jet mirror build I that's why I, gotcha, I, yeah I so there's like cards like night night of new alara which is crazy it's mm-hmm. two and a green and a white from the same deck that Hazazon came out of but it is other multicolored creatures you control get plus one plus one for each of their colors so those sand warriors when you create them are four fours yes exactly so okay. and then so it's also human so you can flip it off with nota so uh, you go get Winona, you put it out there, you swing with your Sand Warriors, who are exclusively not humans. You know, they're in, So you get those triggers, you flip that, and all of a sudden you're swinging with four fours. So pretty pretty strong. And then uh, even if you go for Jetmir, you're creating... It gets out of control quickly how many Sand Warriors you end up having. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have a... Uh, you know, as long as you get your colors to be able to cast a Zazon, you have a, a sack outlet for your land in some way. It could just be a crop rotation, but it it really does uh, snowball pretty quickly. Zeran Orb. Zeran Orb. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even playing that. it. I mean, it's uh, a terrible card. Why would you want to facilitate your commander? <laughs> yeah, why would right. you want a permanent that allows you to sacrifice a land? Especially since I'm playing Urza Saga. Yeah. Got to play that Nahiri's Lithoforming <laughs> there instead. I was learning how the deck works. <laughs> I was just learning. It's part of the deck building process. What we're journey. here for? It's a journey. It's not a de- about the destination. I feel but like, I do want to be the top. Six. I feel like if we went on EDA track and we like l- clicked on Nahiri's Lithoform to see how many decks it in decks it's in, it would just be a picture of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> It'd just be sixteen yeah. decks. That this, is the guy, this is the guy that tried it. <laughs> I really wanted it to be a good card. Yeah, I, mean, I did too. It, it reads like it could be good, but it's not. No, 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 no. Yeah, there are a few of those cards out there. That There's really a lot of those. Be good. You guys want to get into the main subject, or Jordan, you got some stuff you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about what I'm brewing real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about tournaments, getting into some like CDH tournaments coming up here. We're talking about going to um, going to the Cash Cards Unlimited tournament down in LA come June. Is that what you're trying to uh, buy that Grim Monolith for? 
Yes, sir. Oh. So I have enough to enough funds to get the other two dual lands I need. And then after that, it's just a two hundred dollar monolith, and I'm Gucci. Hell um, yeah! But actually, I don't even need to because they just announced all the uh, details for that. It's a one hundred percent proxy friendly tournament. Get the fuck out! Let's fucking go! Wow, one hundred percent proxy friendly, where you get first place time twister. Hell, there is no, yes. there's no sense if you've if you've bought the cards and even if you have it physically there's no sense for you to take that physical deck that you've you've procured to this tournament print it out go to your fedex print shop print it out <laughs> i mean everybody's gonna be flexing with the decks there's no sense there's no sense in it to risk losing it i mean the flex is the sense that's why we do this. yeah that's why we do this yeah. it is it is almost like a little bit it can be uh like if you sit down to a table and somebody sits down and it's just like fully blinged out in a way that like resonates that's intimidating it's right it's, oh yeah you know, it's like someone showing up to the field with the best gear and like you can tell the difference between an asshole showing up with the best gear and they just bought the best gear and someone who showed up with the best gear because they like earned it and yeah, right, right. representing that they deserve to play the best gear yeah there was one time i flipped a dci judge foil chrome Mox off the top of someone's library with ragavan mm-hmm. and i was like is it okay if I play it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first ever game of CDH in a tournament I played, uh, the very got first guy going first played his first land, which was a Guru Island. Yeah. And then he followed... Woo! That's like a $700 card, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah if not higher nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then followed it up with like tons of other gas and shit like that. It was like a like seeker from the vault, uh, Mox Diamond and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, we're actually at a CDH tournament. Got it. Let me fucking lock in here. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's I, I guess when you, when you put it that way, you're right. It is like sitting at the table and you do see... Um, I yeah, you see what's across from you, and it can be intimidating. Yeah, 100%. at the same time, I get your point of like, hey, I'm not going to put a fifteen thousand dollar deck in my luggage. I mean, hopefully that's in your carry on. Yeah, like right. you know, yeah. it's a it's a lot for sure, and especially as the game gets more expensive, just the cards we've already held for so long are now worth a lot of money. And I'm so considering it, just putting it into safety lockbox at the bank <laughs> and just walking away for a few years. Evan collected all these cards so he could never look at them or ever touch them ever again. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to be in a private room with a with a secure like with security in order to view these cards. White gloves and everything. Uh, well yeah, so anyway, we're looking at playing a bunch of these tournaments coming up and stuff. And so I kind of was taking a real hard look. Like I'm not sure if I wanted to stick with the commanders I've have been playing, which has been my Grixis Malcolm list. Uh, and I've been kind of bopping around with like other Grixis commanders, Evelyn and stuff like that. And then I just kind of clicked. It's like my goal now is to like kind of become a better player. And I really want to start playing more tournaments and actually doing well in them. Hmm. So I decided to do the polar opposite of what Evan's doing, which I love what Evan's doing. And I just, I sold my soul and got rid of all the creativity out of my heart. And I picked a meta top four list. Uh, so I am playing Rograx Silas, which is arguably i not even arguably it's the top one of the top four in cdh right now um i believe in you thank you yeah i mean there's i believe wiggle, in you. there's some wiggle room you can you can swap out a few cards in that yeah i list mean you, there's always you know, know three or so flex slots in one of these lists but uh i mean yeah i there's people that are just smarter and better than me at magic and i just want to kind of see what these guys think like you know and mm-hmm. kind of try that out i kind of was starting to see this one different formats and stuff just how much how I guess I would say how little I know about magic, like you know, just 
how many ways somebody can, different people can think about the same situation. And when I see somebody else play magic, you know, it's just a whole different thing. So, uh, with that in mind, I'm kind of trying to go outside of my comfort zone and play a deck that I actually didn't make and make play a deck that someone that is better than me made. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try and get better with it. It's part of that process. Like you have to get better at the deck by watching like gameplay videos and reading analyses and like seeing the matchups with it like versus like hey i built this deck from the from the bones out like i I know it inside and out and i'm just gonna you know know what my outs are right exactly and like someone like evan who's like building these like awesome lists like you're gonna know like ins and outs and what to grab off of tutors just like instinctually and you know maybe have be able to play a lot better in like these corner case scenarios, you know, just because you know the list so well. Mm-hmm. So eventually I will work up to that. And, I mean, you know, you'll yeah. get there, but there's outside research required. Outside research and yeah. just, yeah, yeah, just more time and grinding, but it's also a very popular list. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have gotten to see it played a decent amount. It plays a lot of tournaments. Those are starting to get streamed now, especially like the top 16s and up to the finals. So I've been watching those. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great list and it's actually funny enough, very close to the list I'm currently running just much 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 better with mm-hmm. much better commanders as well uh and so pretty much i wouldn't need to buy anything for this tournament okay if i didn't want to but i already had to have happened to have a bunch of stuff i was trying to sell back and get rid of all this shit in my house i mean if, if you gotta buy some multi-hundred dollar cards you might as well right yeah i'm gonna do it obviously yeah yeah so pick up my full grixis dual land I think that's right. just gonna feel good. It's too. gonna feel like, great. Stuff. Yeah, you actually netted about one cubic meter of space in the house. Oh my god! And go of some of this stuff. Oh mm-hmm. my god! I'm so excited. And then everybody, <laughs> the shit I couldn't sell. If anybody wants just boxes of cards, I will give me your address. I'll send join you. our bulk tier on Patreon. <laughs> yes. and these it cards is, could be yours. Two dollars a month, but I'll send you five hundred cards. Yeah. <laughs> So to to like reinforce your point on like playing these lists, even though like I'm building something from the ground up, no one gets no one is a good enough player to build a list from the ground up, play it one time and win a tournament like no one is like you would have to be literally the luckiest person in the world to play it for the first time and run through a tournament and win it all. Totally right. Like uh, the Magda list that won Marchesa a couple of years back, you know, it's like that guy played that list hundreds of times, if not thousands. So Totally, yeah. The guy who did uh, Teferi that won the first uh, Cash Cards Unlimited tournament, he's been playing that since Teferi came out. Yeah, that's an old-ass deck, and he played it probably thousands and thousands of times in order to get where he was, and he just like saw his gap, shot the gap, and it paid off for him. So like the Chain Veil-like combo has been known forever. It's just so uncommon at the table that he got away with it he got away with one he got a black lotus yeah, and he also just so, knows how to play his deck that, yeah. that well yeah and he walked away with a black lotus for it. how fucking crazy is that like even though you gave me the greatest compliment in the, compliment in the world saying that i would know what to tutor for <laughs> <laughs> i just mean like, you know how to play in the fringe like you know when you have you know a quirky deck like that you've built in the solutions and the answers for the things that are problems for you you know like i i love zakama i played it competitively and i do think it has the potential to win games um there are still times when i show up to the table i'm so nervous that like i don't know what to go for i was the idiot I remember uh when we went to that tournament in olympia and they're like going through the rules and they're like any questions oh. and my hands slowly goes uh. out of the crowd and they're like yes and i'm like 
uh, so if we're tutoring, is it possible? And they're like, you can't use your phone. And I was like, is it possible to look at my list on my phone to see what I could possibly tutor for? And they're like, deck building is part of the skill building, you know, like the skill part of the game. So, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you got shut down real hard. Yeah, you know, but... Uh, I'm glad I wasn't sitting next to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just in the back like, yeah, asshole. <laughs> Fuck uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even embarrassed. I was just like, oh, cool. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like you do have to play your deck hundreds of times if you're going to compete at a high level. And so like going to cash cards, if we do that, it's like we got to be playing like crazy. It's kind of wild to like uh, understand, you know, it's just like uh, these are going to be the best players in the world. Like when you put a prize like that on the table, like you're going to attract a big crowd, a very competitive crowd. Mm -hmm. People who are going to be playing all the time, like John, if you're listening to this. Hi, John. What up, Doug? Uh, they're playing every Saturday, and they're play, probably playing a few times. God, a I'm week. so jealous of their setup. In small town, they have at their local game shop. They have a weekly CDH tournament with 30 people showing up. I mean, you just got to build that. Like, it, I mean, yeah, and that's what I was talking about going on the Discord and trying to get this little group together. Mm-hmm. Join the weekly CDH Patreon tier. <sighs> so we're getting there, y'all. If you play in CDH in Seattle, let's fucking let's chat about it. Let's make it happen because I would love to get this going. And uh, if we could just get a venue, that'd be so hot. Yeah, they play CDH every Saturday, a full tournament, and then they do a much larger tournament with prizes quarterly, like larger prizes quarterly. Uh, and we're going to go and try to uh, go to one of those, too. Oh, hell yeah. I know it seemed like a long walk, but we got there. We got to our main topic today, mm-hmm. which is the state of the game and how it's changing with MDFCs, two-faced cards. And how do you get the most value out of them? How are they changing how you approach the game? And fundamentally, I guess how they are changing the game, right? Like mm. uh, new, like new, the new permanent type battles an MDFC. Like I guess you don't have a choice to make, but it is a dual face card that has multiple effects on both sides. So yeah, yeah. Let's open up the table. Well, I, for me, Evan, it yeah. comes down to when both sides of the card are good i like <laughs> oh, to play it god yeah why didn't i think of that? yeah the thing is though, like is. with mdfcs yeah. i feel like when both sides of the card are fine mm-hmm. the card's pretty good yeah you have a lot of fucking fine text on one card that modality there it's man if if you have one side of a card that might be useful in a fringe scenario all of a sudden you get two sides that might be useful in two or more different fringe scenarios it makes it real playable well real playable let's 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 get on the real here then, right? So we're talking about real, real. playability on these. MDFCs were reintroduced. I don't want to say they were... I don't know when they were introduced. I would like to say Werewolves when they first did Innistrad. But I they were reintroduced here with uh, Zendikar Rising. Coming back with those lands and having sorceries and instants with lands yeah, on the back. that's when we really got the and big boon. Yeah, that's when we really started seeing like the... I guess prospective buyers on these just like saying like these cards are going to be insane. Like we still see some at a competitive level. I mean, I love those pathways. Like a lot of the MDFCs from Zendikar are still very playable. Like I fuck with those pathways. Those don't get enough love. Like I know they're not great. They don't have typing on it. And I know that like, that's not it, but like, those also the borderless on them. The arts are fucking gorgeous. They're beautiful. Oh yeah. Those are slam dunks. I mean, they come in untapped. Yes. And like, if you're playing in a two color deck it, they're, they're a must include they're for so me. just good. like they're they're never a bad draw you know 
Yeah, I, I agree. I like auto include two colors for me. Yeah. Yeah, and they they even do have like the modal the modal cards that you can cast or play as a land that hurt you know, like they're basically just like bolt lands, right? So like Seagate Restoration. Oh yeah, for sure. And, yeah, but I mean even Malakar Meyer Malakar Re- Rebirth is very playable. Shadow yeah, all the time. Is, that is is borderline. Amaria's Call in mono white. I'll throw that in there for sure. I would yeah. say Malakir Rebirth is the one I have seen the most since mm-hmm. release. It to me that is the best one they've they've. Played. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, th- I think that's also the most expensive album. It's like an uncommon that's six or seven bucks mm, right now nice. or something like that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't even take the L on like Bajukabog these days for the tapped single color source, <laughs> but I will for that. For the Malakir Rebirth. For the Malakir Rebirth. Yes. It's the only exception I make. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh like. Even if you're not doing reanim- reanimator ex- no, shenanigans. Rarely. It's so relevant. It. it I mean,. You're drawing out removal from someone and keeping your commander. God I, forbid I that commander has an ETB you know? on them. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Getting the secondary ETB effect is like really where I want to see it like really shine. So yeah, Malakir Rebirth out of the Zendikar Rising stuff, I think it is the best. Mm-hmm. Right. Out of out of those. But then we saw the evolution of MDFCs as we started like moving forward. Caldheim uh, and Strixhaven. Yep. Yeah. We started seeing equipments on the back of like things. Uh, even in Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, you saw it uh, happen a couple times. And then, uh, gosh, here we are now with March of the Machine is like we're seeing double face cards with uh well Kamigawa I would say was the next really big set that had mm-hmm. MDFCs sagas um, that flipped that was the first time we saw that yeah and it's not even necessarily that they're modal they're just dual faced and we saw yeah and we saw werewolves and Innistrad come back but uh yeah sagas that flipped into creatures increasingly greater value as the game went on uh and then yeah march of the machine now we're seeing creatures that start off turn into sagas and then can flip back and you can keep recurring value off of them so we've come a long way right they, yeah they've definitely explored this game space and that's ultimately i think like what is happening now is that they are absolutely stretching their limits on what they can do with with that possibility well it, it's interesting because you know in terms of stretching the game space they're also lip you know putting restrictions on the game space that they can be used in because the interesting thing about battles is that you can't just destroy the battle you can't just you know uh do something to all the counters on there like the actual effect of turning over to the other side can only be accessed when you take the final counter off right you know so it's not just like you're not just automatically getting access to both sides of the card you know there's some hoops that you have to jump through right the werewolves being day bound and night bound mm-hmm. like Regardless of, uh, you know, if you're playing something that's very werewolf-focused, like switching to night and day, that's part of your deck, that's part of your strategy, you're going to be able to make that happen. Um, but it is otherwise very difficult. There's times when I yeah. I, I play Averbrook Caretaker, and, and the amount of times it goes from day to night is so few. It hardly ever happens. You ever know a player who is going to take a turn off and cast nothing so that you can get like incredible advantage on the backside mm-hmm. right. you know it, it's a big hoop that you have to jump through otherwise you have to take your turn off flip it and then wait for it to come back around to you hope that no one casts two two spells right. on the way around the yeah. yeah it's kind of garbage so like that mechanic how yeah the hoops that you have to jump through sometimes sometimes just waiting right the kamigawa sagas mm-hmm. like waiting fable the mirror breaker like 
one of the best cards in standard. One of the best cards we've seen in a long time and how it contributes to standard, modern, commander. Like, I think it's really, it's one of the better MDFCs that we've seen since his reintroduction. Yeah, so I, I think it's worth noting that there's a few different types of MDFCs now because, like, we have these ones where they make you make an option in the hand, like, what side of this do you want? You know, Exodus, whatever, right? Where it's yeah. like, you get the creature, you get the sorcery, you mm. know, something like that. The pathways, you get one of the colors. But now we have things where it's a permanent on the battlefield that transforms, and it lets you get every single line of text that's printed on these cards, you know? It's well, almost like a planeswalker in this type of a it, in March of the Machines Aftermath, even more so, you're literally getting access to every line of text on the card, both sides of the card, at will. Totally. Because you have the, talking new, about the, creatures that the new Praetor cycle, yeah. which yep. essentially all of them are like, hey, this creature costs six CMC. Uh, if you pay another six mana once it's on the board, you can flip it over, get access to the other yeah. side. I think the new when that rest. saga completes you get that front side again. I know, that is a new yeah. spicy thing. We've never seen that with Sagas, like something that happens after that, which I think is cool. Um, Evan's really into this Urbrask Storm deck, and it's just like, how many times can you fucking flip this thing in one turn? Yeah. Yep. It, like, it's so appealing to me to like say, yeah. like... Something I, that's never existed before. Yeah, they've. They, I think they've realized that they've run out of room in the text box on the front of the card, so they're like, well, let's make a condition to make it so we can put more text on the back. And, and expand this game space mm -hmm. like the sagas on the back the saga on the back of Urbrask is nutty and if you're playing contagion engine you can just activate that proliferate twice flip it back over keep a storm going so it really is this cool little engine and again very powerful it's probably the most powerful out of this praetor cycle that we're seeing it coming in march of machine uh yeah i would agree i mean mm -hmm. elish norn and jingataxis might rival it but i think urbrask is going to be the one that's going to get the most broken which i'm yeah. glad fucking yeah. finally we get a little something yeah. something and i actually think shieldred is right up there too like shieldred is up there yeah, yeah. the rise of the dark realms on the back oh, did i not mention shieldred yeah, yeah. shieldred too yeah, yeah. i would put shield ahead of yeah taxes i think yeah. yeah for sure yeah it's it's really wild like now that we're seeing this like i think the game is going to be warped around these like this new design space Right, I think uh, Morrow went or Mark Rosewater when he said the game of Magic is going to change forever after March of the Machine. I think that's maybe not the intent of that sentence uh, to say that like these dual face cards are going to be how the game moves forward. But I think that is where we're going. Is uh, like the game is going to be structured around how to uh, build a strategy that is going to allow you to accrue the most value out of these cards by either flipping them back and forth or achieving the flip like in battles to get a significant result. Mm -hmm. So uh, that being said, the financial state of it is a little bit different for the longest time. Wizards of the coast has stated that in any pre-constructed pro uh, product, they are, will not print MD or like dual faced cards. And so now that they've decided to push this direction, that is becoming more and more likely. So you can actually see reprints of things like Seagate Restoration, which is climbing in price mm -hmm. because it, it will not see a reprint unless it's in literally a premium set. Yeah, Malakir Rebirth. <laughs> yeah, Malakir Rebirth. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now if they actually embrace it and say like, oh, we're just going to include those little tokens that you can write what the front side of the card is and pop that in your deck instead and hold this off to the side, like... There is the possibility for that now. And that I is think not that, inspiring to me. Yeah, right? So financially, 
when these cards released, there is that window where, yes, the market is flooded. Yes, you can go ahead and you can get these cards while they're at their cheapest or when they're at their most hyped up, too, and you could lose out on them. But you know for a fact, unless they're reprinted in a premium set, they're not going to be reprinted. Mm. So, like, the way the game moves forward, if the structure of the game wants to be built more around dual face cards... Like, what does that look like? Well, sure, we've seen a lot of reprintings of the Praetors lately, but, like, when do we see the reprinting of the new Praetors, the Saga Praetors? Because, like, they're done after this. Like, mm-hmm. when are they going to bother cycling back in, like, the... Secret Lair. Secret Lair. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. so much IP to, like, circle back to right now that yeah. they've already done Praetors. The Eldrazi, like, when are they going to get meaningful reprints, right? Kozlek and... Uh, I believe in commander master the upcoming commander master <clears throat> set i would think because yeah. of one of the pre-cons is a new kozilek allegedly yeah and so, so that's right there's gonna be a colorless one fuck yeah yeah and so you look at that and you realize how many years it's been since we've seen these meaningful reprints yep and now you have to take that scope in mind and say they put all this new product out in such well a short amount of time and when do these cards get meaningful reprints like i i mean you know circling back to commander masters like the ur dragon is finally getting a meaningful reprint so like the timeline on this stuff can be a decade or more sometimes right yeah yeah Yeah. crazy uh because you can only really stuff so many sets into a year right i think we're finding that out they're hitting challenge accepted (laughs) (laughs) yeah says wizards well i feel like they are hitting their limit with that so these dual face cards the value of them, I think, is higher than people project just mm-hmm. right off the bat. Like, I bought eight Malakir Rebirths when they were 50 cents or less. Ooh, like, nice. I just, and now they're all in foil, and so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, great, I have them all for the decks that I want to build or the, maybe the decks that I would want to play. And then the rest of them are just sitting in a binder or in my collection. I'm glad that I did that. Like, I just wanted them to play with. And it's great to see that, like with that in mind, knowing they wouldn't reprint them in any like pre con or anything like that, then I made a good financial decision as well. Yeah, I I mean like someone like Agadim's Awakening like should not be a base level twenty five dollar card or yeah, something. It's not good enough that, for that. Hey man, I'll pay ten bucks for one of those, but like twenty five is a little <laughs> high, and that's just the scarcity of you know. Literally never exactly. owned one because of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, the way the way it moves forward, do we see battles being printed in pre cons? Like, does that was are those happen? Are are those being printed in March of the Machine precons? Uh, we haven't seen any official lists, have we? I, no, the official out. lists yeah, are, are out. Okay, I don't know yeah. if there's I any had, battles not in, in the Commander decks. So I think sure. they are yeah. going to be pushing hard on battles as that you know as a new mechanic that needs support. Oh, for sure. I mean, we haven't yeah. previewed March of the Machines aftermath, but it the talk is that it's going to be heavy on this shit right right yeah and we'll pr- potentially see our second type of battle as well and yes because currently we only have sieges right yep. oh so. interesting i see uh the other thing i want to note talking about uh mdfcs or i guess like dual face cards rather yeah um i want to shout out that cycle of transformer cards honestly like i just got a slicer bro i was just about to yeah. say I'm, I'm building slicer i'm not building slicer i'm throwing them uh in my uh 
uh, Yoshimaru Kedra. Yes, I love that. Um, I love that but, so much. Great. But Slicer is CDH. Like there are some yes. great lists out there. It's like, true, and it looks fun to play too. Like if you can land a turn one Slicer and start throwing equipment on like them, and the chaos that happens deck, at the bro. table seems fun. Like <laughs> we were talking, you know, the I always want to find the deck where I get to play Umazawajite, right? And this seems like God tier Umazawajite deck. Yes, like because yeah. you swing that bad boy comes back to you with like eight counters on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Well, the thing is, like, you get it, and then you probably swing. So if you can get an equip, right, you swing and you get two counters. The next guy swings and it gets two counters. Before damage, you'll have four counters you can remove, and it has double strike. So you give it plus eight, plus eight with double strike. So that is... Plus that's a one knock. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. It's it's insta-kill. It's 22 damage right there. Umazawa's jit remains under your control and those are yes, your counters are to do your with counters. as you please damn right uh the plus two plus two is i is it an instant speed i thought it said only a it's th- at instant speed it's my an friend instant speed, bro. that's God what damn. makes umazawa's jit so broken crack timing restrictions yeah. do not apply need <laughs> not apply here and the counters go on the equipment yes oh so i'm very hyped to build that deck and i'm gonna try and keep it kind of budgety uh just kind of a fun pod deck Oh, hella fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of like, you know, I like your deck because it's just quick tempo and it kind of puts the pressure on and we wrap it up real quick. And I think this deck's going to do that in spades. Yeah. When you said, I think that's when I got interested in Slicer was when you were like, yeah, I was watching this uh, stream and they put a commander's plate on it. And I just went <laughs> like mind yep. blown, bro. Just like it has protection from everything but red. Like mm-hmm. good luck getting like good luck blocking that. Good luck like defending yourself against that. And and there's so much good shit in red now, and there's so much good artifact support that this whole deck just comes together so quickly. Yeah, the more than meets the eye mechanic is is pretty freaking cool. It's honestly. it's pretty sweet. I like Again, it. Again, yeah. that bad boy can come down turn one easily because the more than meets the eye uh, cost is one red, two colorless. Yeah, it's so, you know, it's a jeweled lotus away. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, that is the the main play style I've seen is pretty much try and get three man on turn one, cast it pass it down the line and everybody just fucking if you yeah. can agree everybody just kills one guy yep. first yeah comes in with haste converts once it deals combat damage to the other side which is the better side mm-hmm. and right. yeah you're off to the races yeah honestly these dual face cards do open up the landscape like they do they have already been changing the game how they change the game in the future is still yet to be seen but we're seeing that with like new permanent types like battles that Mm -hmm. it is here to stay it is here to like because it was not part of like magic's history or at least the game for several years before we really started seeing them come back Mm -hmm. like i think core 19 actually is like where it was with Nicol Bolas was where maybe have been reintroduced. Oh, Nicol Bolas, the Ravager. That's an old yeah. school flip card. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we say old school. It, it is pretty old now, right? That was one of his first Four printed. I five years. printed before that, was it not? No, I mean, that was its first printing. Precious printing. I mean, yeah. that's still pretty old school. So, yeah, there's... I don't think I was alive back then. Yeah, with, with this new permanent... 2019. <laughs> <laughs> uh, battles coming out, coming, you know, to the forefront of the, uh, of the game. Yeah. Dual face cards are here to stay, and they're they're just going to be present in every set. I feel it's an evergreen mechanic. Yeah, man. So when are you, when are you building that new Atali? Speaking of dual oh. speaking of, oh, there's so many good flip cards in fucking March of the Machines, though, bro. I could spend yeah. an hour riffing on these. Yep, I that new Heliod, the white blue Heliod, is gorgeous. Tell you what, guys, leave a comment if you like this discussion and you want to hear more about MDFCs. We can for sure do a deep dive on upcoming MDFCs and how sweet they are in March of the Machines. And 
Put your most underrated MDFC or dual face card in the comments below and let's have a little chat about it. I want to be able to like Ooh. shout out some people in the next episode and really have a deep discussion on some of these cards and how they impact your you know, decks. You know oh, yeah. what I want to hear from people? What is your best worst MDFC? What card has an amazing side and a horrible side? <laughs> Love like it. you have to suffer through how horrible the front side yes. is to get to the back side. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. We even talked about Kaldheim, bro. Like Bergy. Oh, my God. Bro. Yeah. I mean, this so goes on forever. Bergy's Tegrid. Yeah. Goaded. Yeah. Uh, Valky. Valky? Yeah. 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 Valky yeah. with the... Uh, the Planeswalker on the back. Yeah. Tibolt. Tibolt Planeswalker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very cool. You get a one in a black for a freaking creature or a seven mana Planeswalker. Like, you fucking choose your own adventure there, pal. Sheesh. Sheesh. Uh, Well, all this to say, get ready to fucking pull your card out of your sleeve and flip it around all the goddamn time. You better be double sleeving. You better be double sleeving and you better be replacing those dragon shields every six months. I swear to God. Yeah, that is part of the discussion. You're going to have a real like loose neck situation. Guys, just Just buy katanas. They're they're a better sleeve. Oh my God. (laughs) This is part of the marketing strategy by Wizards of the Coast. Because if you want to have have four of these in your deck, right, you need a fifth or a sixth or a seventh in the side deck so that you don't flip it. You can just put it out. You know, you're selling more cards that way, right? Nate, yeah, probably. A jerk. Conspiracy. (laughs) Leave it to Evan. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Mock Stars Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes of the Mock Stars Podcast, hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and hit that little bell so you can stay tuned for get notifications on more episodes as they drop. Five stars on Spotify. You can get five stickers. Five stickers, five stars. That's how it works, baby. That's the Mock Stars guarantee. Five stickers, five stars. We say it every episode. (laughs) We say it every episode from here on out. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.